sure to grab your death certificate. Watch out for hitchhiking ghosts. Stand clear of elevator shafts. And look over your shoulder for those Disney villains. Because this is the annual not-so-scary Halloween celebration on Disney On Demand. It's time, D-Heads! Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand! Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo! Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. Alright, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and this week we're getting spooky. We're getting creepy, because yes, you tuned in for the second annual Not-So-Scary Halloween Celebration. That's right, all month long for the month of October and even into a little bit of November, we're going to be bringing you all kinds of spooky tunes, crazy tidbits, celebrity guests, and all kinds of fun to make it not so scary and a little bit of Halloween magic for you. And this week, as we're kicking off the week of October 10th, 2013, we have something extra special spooky for you. Think something dark. Think the nightmare before Christmas. Also think of many other things because we have none other than comedian, stand-up comic, man himself, Greg Proops, stopping in here at the show. Now, Greg has lent his voice to a variety of different things, including The Nightmare Before Christmas, Star Wars Episode One, Star Wars The Animated Series. Also, he portrays Bob the Builder, for all of you parents out there, as well as being part of the epic television show, Whose Line Is It Anyways? And let's not forget his own special podcast, the Proopcast. So there's a lot of different things going on, and we have Greg Proops stopping in here, here on Disney On Demand, to kick off our second annual Not-So-Scary Halloween celebration. And he's going to stop in and talk about his career, his stand-up comedy, his podcast, and what is it like lending his voice to so many fantastic projects. In addition, we also have the D-Team back. That's right, we have Aaron back, as he's going to dip his hand into that virtual mailbag and answer all of your questions with I Want to Know, as he's going to cover a variety of different questions you have about Spaceship Earth, Max Goof, and many others. We also have Paige here with the Magical Music Review, as Paige is going to be stopping in and talking about a little bit more about the Nightmare Before Christmas as we officially kick off the Halloween season here at the show. There is all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire and many other tidbits, and this week is week one in our second annual Not-So-Scary Halloween celebration. Look out for the Headless Horseman. Beware of those villains. Look over your shoulder for hitchhiking ghosts and stay clear of all of those elevator shafts at the Tower of Terror because you are officially into Halloween, the season that I love so much. So let's officially kick off show number 49 for the week of October 10th, 2013 by running in fear from the Headless Horseman. Be right back, all VD heads. Happy Halloween. It has arrived.
Now gather round while I elucidate on what happens outside when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees get together for the midnight jamborees. There's ghosts with horns and saucer eyes, some with fangs about this size. Some short and fat, some tall and thin, some don't even bother to wear their skin. I'm telling you, brother, it's a frightful sight to see what goes on in the night. When the spooks have a midnight jamboree, they'll break it up with fiendish glee. Ghosts are bad, but the one that's cursed is the headless horseman, he's the worst. When he goes jogging across the land, holding his snagging in a hand, demons take one look and groan and hit the roads for parts unknown. There's no spook like a spook that's mine. They don't like a man who's really burned. Swears to the longest day he's dead, and he'll show them that he can get ahead. windows and lock the doors unless you're careful he'll get yours don't think he'll hesitate a bit cause he'll flip your top if it'll fit he likes them little he likes them big part in the middle all wig black or white or even red the headless horseman heeds ahead with the hip hip hop and a clippity clop he's out looking for a top to chop but don't stop the so after dark, you kids be good Stay at home the way that you should Cause right outside and waiting there Is the headless horseman Anyway Oh man, I'm getting out of here Ha-ha! The time has come. It is I, your host, your ghost host. Our not-so-scary Halloween party has begun. This magic kingdom is now prepared to celebrate my favorite time of year. For those mortals who have not paid their token fee to attend, you may do so at Ghost Relations in City Hall. Otherwise, you'll need to please leave the Magic Kingdom at this time. And remember, beware of hitchhiking ghosts! <laughs> Happy Halloween from DizRadio.com
start to wake, makes your knees begin to quake. Ghostly music fills the air with minor chords to curl your hair. Ghosts and goblins buggy shake to a devilish disco wake. Then a bell starts to ring, all the ghosts come out to sing. official here. I can't make decisions by myself. Jack! Answer me! He's not home. Where is he? He hasn't been home all night. Oh. This is Ken Page. 
Page, and I'm the voice of Oogie Boogie. And I want you to know you're listening to Disney On Demand. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, all of you ghouls, ghosts, and goblins, you tuned in for another magical installment here at Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as you haven't noticed, to kick off show number 49, it is the official kickoff of our second annual month-long Not-So-Scary Celebration where all month long we're going to bring you special guests, spooky tunes, and all kinds of fun to help you celebrate Halloween with your family. So get ready for that this week, all of you D-heads. So we are excited here this week because if you love The Nightmare Before Christmas, you love Star Wars, you love Bob the Builder if you're a parent, and you also love Whose Line Is It Anyways, we have none other than Greg Proops stopping in here this week here at the show. And he's going to be stopping in here very shortly to talk about a variety of different things from his career, doing his voice acting work, and many other stories. From the set of Whose Line Is It Anyways, Nightmare Before Christmas, and even a little bit into Star Wars. We have all kinds of fun, as Greg is going to be stopping in, and uh, I have lots I want to tackle with this guy, including some old-time radio. So with that, we also have the D-Team back. All kinds of fun, as we have Aaron and Paige stopping in here with their signature segments and all kinds of news. So before I jump into the news here this week, all of you D-Hats, I do want to give you different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z. Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, archives, and more, and you can listen to it right there, including our Lifetime of Disney Player with over 300-plus television shows, movies, and more right there on the homepage at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand, and you can also connect up with us on other social media outlets, including Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, Skype, and more. Just search, yes, you guessed it, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. And remember, you can always subscribe to us in iTunes. Just go there and search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, and get all of our shows right there in iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, there's tons of news hot off the D-wire here this week, but... We're kicking off Halloween, so I thought I'd share something with you because everyone asks, why do I do a month-long celebration for Halloween? Well, there is a backstory to this. I'm not going to go too far into it. Let's just say for many, many years, I was highly involved with building haunted houses, haunted attractions, and more. And also, these traditions go down to my family with my kids and everything else. In fact, this last weekend, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you probably already saw it we fill up an entire van of pumpkins. Now, I'm not talking about loading up my family and then putting pumpkins in the back. I'm talking about we drive in two separate cars, I take out all the seats in the van, and we load up as many pumpkins as we can get. That's right, we filled up an entire van. You ought to see these photos, D-heads. I mean, it is ridiculous with how many we have gotten. Now, the one question I always get asked is, why do you get so many pumpkins? Well, The reason why we get so many pumpkins is all month long, we continue to carve pumpkins. We go through, we don't just carve it the week of Halloween. We carve them all October. So that way, if they mold, if they get nasty, you shoot it away. You chuck it, you carve a new one. It makes it fun, creative, and, you know, it's really just a great fun way to do it. And since we're going to a pumpkin farm, 
The pumpkins are really cheap to get, actually. It's a little bit different than when you go to the grocery store. I also use many of them for Halloween decorations. Many people go all out for Christmas, which I do too, don't get me wrong. I get Clark Griswold all over Christmas, but I also go Griswold style for Halloween. Yes, I am not kidding you. I go that crazy for Halloween as well. So Halloween is a big, big thing, including going down to the Walt Disney World Resort for the Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party with my children and many other fun things. So Halloween is more than just one day for all of us Johnson clan here and all of us here at Disney On Demand. Halloween is all month making it fun with all kinds of movies, magic, and more. So... With that out of my system, I'm going to jump right into news here this week, all of you D-heads. And how about Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party? Since I was talking about it, I know everybody is familiar with this. You know, whether you've been there or haven't been there, it is definitely a fun thing to do. There's a variety of different things you can do, and it is one of my favorite times at the Walt Disney World Resort. The Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is great for families. It's great for adults just to go by themselves. And there's a lot of different things going on for there, but you want to get your tickets. Because I already know that the October 30th, 31st Halloween night version is already sold out. Now it is a separate hard ticket, which I'm sure many of you are well aware of. A lot of Disney podcasts talk about it as well. But remember, there's great things. They they encourage you to dress up. There's trick-or-treating for everybody. There's a variety of different places and stations where you can trick-or-treat. I mean, and really fill up your bags. I mean, you get a lot of candy. And there's also tons of entertainment. One of my favorites is the Disney Villains Mix and Mingle. Now this is a 10 minute show right in front of the castle, right in front of Cinderella's castle where all the villains are out there singing, dancing, doing their thing and shortly after for about 15 minutes they have meet and greets. Now a little note that you want to do is ask a cast member where, say, Maleficent is going to be, or Cruella de Vil, or Captain Hook, because where you're placed around that stage is really going to dictate which villain you're going to be able to meet, because it's really hard, you don't have enough time to meet them all, so if you have somebody specific in mind, myself, I had to meet Maleficent. I, I mean, I had to have my family sit there, take our photo with her, you know, my favorite villain for ages before she became so popular now. And, uh, you know, ask a cast member, ask them where they're going to be stationed so you know where you're going to have to stand, you know, to meet that villain of your choice. Now, they do not do autographs a lot of times. It is just a quick photo opportunity. Now, they also have other great things, including the Booty You Parade, which by far for me, I think it's the best Disney parade um, of all the parades that isn't a light-up parade. It's it's awesome. There's also the Happy Hollow Wishes, uh, fireworks show and many other things so definitely check it out the mickey's not so scary halloween party is always a fun fun event now moving right along if you do like to read a lot of different blogs out there how about the disney parks blog the official blog for the disneyland and walt disney world resort and this last week they dug into their archives way back into the 70s I think it was 1977 when they had a variety of Disney characters that were dressed up in costumes. Great vintage photos. I mean, I'm not going to elaborate too much more on it. You don't want to hear me describe a photo. But it definitely has some great characters of some heffalumps, some woozles, and all kinds of fun. And I do wish the characters would do that again. Just random characters you don't see every day dressed up in costume. Now... Continuing on with Halloween costumes, I figured before I get to some of the more uh, hardcore news and the you know the news that's going to be about the company, how about some costumes? And lately, I've been finding some fantastic costumes online from HalloweenCostumes.com. Now, these are Disney costumes that I'm not used to seeing. I mean, of course, you have Jack Sparrow, Mr. Incredible, uh, you know, Sully, Mike, including Woody, but they do have some that I'm not used to really seeing 
you know, for people dressing up as Disney. There's a Belle and an Ursula costume, and the Ursula costume is relatively sexy, I will say that. But, the, you know, it, it looks fantastic. There's also Jacob the Neverland Pirates, Tinkerbell, uh, you know, a baby little monster, uh, Sully, including the Beast, a men's Beast costume as well. There's also the Cheshire Cat, 101 Dalmatians, Maleficent, Cruella de Vil, a Deluxe, Captain Hook. There's also one of the seven dwarfs you can be. I mean, there's a lot of great costumes, including, get this, now I know this is strategic marketing on Disney's part. They also have a Mary Poppins, which they're calling the English Nanny costume, and a Chimney Sweep costume so you could be Bert. How fitting. Just in time for saving Mr. Banks. I'm just saying, you know, coincidence or not. There's also a John Smith costume, a Pocahontas, um, you know, just a, a lot of them. Mr. Smee. There's a lot of great costumes, so definitely check it out at HalloweenCostumes.com. A lot more Disney costumes than I'm used to seeing even on the Disney website. So there's a lot of great things there. All right, D-Heads, so now I got some Halloween news and little trinkets out of my blood here. Let's get into some actual Disney news. And how about a Winter Park man who is now decked out of the Disney parks? That's right, Thomas Mesmer found love of breaking the rules at Walt Disney World. A while back, he was a supervisor in the theme park's mold-making shop, and he was spraying flammable fiberglass indoors when a safety engineer caught his attention pointed out how potentially dangerous this could be. He says, I've always felt like living large, living on the edge, and making something great. And he ended up marrying that person who spoke with him. Now, Mesmer died September 30th of cancer at his Winter Park home that he built with his wife, and he was 87 years old. As his wife has put it, if I had known he was such a master woodcraftsman, I would have married him sooner. A World War II veteran, Mesmer was born in New York City and left high school at age 16 to join the Navy. Now, from there, he survived a variety of different things, including April 1945 when he survived a kamikaze attack off the coast of Okinawa when a Japanese aircraft blew apart the destroyer's bow. Now, there's a variety of different things that he's done throughout his life, but more than 20 years later, he took his family to Orlando in 1969 when he was hired by Buena Vista Construction to help build Walt Disney World. On the Magic Kingdom's opening day, October 1st, 1971, Mesmer transferred to Disney, where he remained until retiring in 1992, with a gold Mickey Mouse ring he wore for the rest of his life. His first wife, Alice, died in 1981 of cancer, and examples of his work that you've seen all throughout the parks include Disney Space Mountain, the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse, Epcot's China, and Japan Pavilion, and many other things. You can also find a variety of different these trinkets and, and great craftsmanships in his home as well. He certainly is going to be missed, and uh, you see his things in the parks forever and ever. Now, moving right along in the Disney news, let's get into the Disney stocks. And I myself am one of those people that have a Disney stock framed in my home. We'll announce this week the stock certificates with images of Mickey Mouse, Dumbo, and Tinkerbell on them have been collector's items for many years, and now they are going to stop. That's right. The Walt Disney Company said Tuesday that it will stop issuing the paper stock certificates to shareholders on October 16th. It's sad news for collectors who covet everything Disney, but it's not shocking to those who watch the stock market, as they put it in the U.S. companies, have been switching to electronic stocks from paper ones for years in order to cut costs. But the news came as a surprise to Rick Roman. We thought Disney would be one of the last to make this shift, said Roman, who owns GiveAShare.com, a website that sells stock certificates. The Disney certificate has been the company's best seller since he founded GiveAShare in 2002, and it's the best-looking one around, he says. It appeals to kids, and the center of the certificate has a nice black-and-white picture 
of Walt Disney, the media company's founder. Now, he's surrounded by a variety of different Disney characters, as we put it, including Donald Duck, Pinocchio, Bambi, and other well-known Disney characters. Now, Give a Share sells stock in a black frame for $146, and a Disney share on the New York Stock Exchange was worth nearly $64 on Wednesday. Now, sales of the Disney certificate have jumped 10 times higher since the news broke last Tuesday. Now, as they have put it that, you know, this is something that everybody is sad to see go. I mean, I have my own, my my kids have some. I mean, I'm just, I just am really sad to see it go, but I understand the cost, the cutting the cost, and the way society is going. As they have put it, there are a variety of other kid-friendly stocks that are out there. Mind you, <clears throat> DreamWorks and uh, some other ones. I'll just leave it at that. But there are some other paper stocks that are still being issued. But come October 16th, you're not going to be able to get a Disney paper stock anymore. Now, stepping aside from the corporate side of Disney, let's get into the Disney Channel. And how about Sophia the First meeting Ariel the Little Mermaid? Just in time for The Little Mermaid to be released on Blu-ray, Sophia the First has been Disney's newest little girl princess who everybody has been raving about. All the little girls tuning into Disney Junior and the Disney Channel are loving Sophia, and with the help of her magic necklace, she's had a chance to meet Belle so far, Cinderella, and many other princesses. Well, now she is going to meet the Little Mermaid. That's right, this November the Disney Channel will air the primetime animated special Sophia the First, The Floating Palace, which finds Princess Sophia voiced by Ariel Winter on the high seas vacation where she befriends a young mermaid named Ona. When Ona gets captured by a sea monster, Sophia seeks out Princess Ariel of the Little Mermaid, and together they seek out to save the day. Now Ariel once again is going to be voiced by Jodie Benson, the star of the 1989 film The Little Mermaid, and anytime you hear Ariel's voice, it always is Jody doing it. Now, the Sophia the First series is huge ratings draw for the Disney Channel and Disney Junior. And like I said, this is going to be coming very soon. She's already had a chance to meet Jasmine, Belle, Cinderella. And coming up soon, in November, they have the all-new Sophia the First, The Floating Palace, where she's going to meet The Little Mermaid. And Sleeping Beauty is going to be making an appearance very soon as well as Snow White. Now, continuing on with the Disney Channel and Disney Junior, since we are on television news here, how about Disney Junior ordering another season of the popular Irish show that we all know and love, Henry Huggle Monster? That's right, Disney Junior has officially announced that it has greenlighted a second season of Henry Huggle Monster, the animated series, which is produced by a Dublin company, Brown Bag Films, and adapted from an Irish author's story, The Happy Hugglewug Books. Now, they have officially announced this last week that it is a great ratings draw for Disney Junior, and knowing that children around the world continue to watch and love Henry Hugglemonster, which was originated, designed, and animated in Ireland, makes us all very proud that he is now part of a worldwide fun story for children. It is currently being shown in over 150 countries, and the second season is going to premiere this autumn, 2014. So get ready as Henry Hugglemonster is going to be able to help you follow your adventures once again through the middle child in a happy, madcap, close-knit monster family. I know my kids love it, and I'm sure yours will as well. Now, I'm going to just stay on some Disney Channel news here, so let's talk about some other things. But how about Boy Meets World? And we all know about Boy Meets World and Boy Meets Girl, as Disney Channel is launching a spin-off series 
with Corey and Topanga from the Boy Meets World fame in Girl Meets World. Well, how about Daniel Fischel to write a memoir? Yes, Boy Meets World star Daniel Fischel is writing a memoir. Now, recently she has rose into popularity and having her own cult status following when the Girl Meets World has officially signed off. Now, she has already achieved a cult following status and she said life is incredible and often embarrassing and it's a big journey that we all take and I want to share my experiences in normally this would be cause for concern the all-new book that is going to be written as a memoir by me now this is going to be published by gallery books and it is going to be part of gallery books top selling titles that they already have including a variety of different uh, stars that you may know like Chelsea Handler Stephen Chopsky Stanley Tucky and more so Daniel Fischel is now going to hit the shelves as well with her own book this would be cause for concern Tales of Daniel Fischel. So get ready for that. Now, since we are talking about Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, now we have been announcing this as things have gotten released. Well, how about Girl Meets World now axing the older brother character, Tio Helm? Yes, that's right. Actor Tio Helm had tweeted this last Saturday that he would be no longer on the show after Disney decided it wouldn't work to have an older brother. Helm was slated to play Elliot Matthews, the older brother of the show's protagonist, Riley Matthews, who's being played by Rowan Blanchard. Now, Girl Meets World star Daniel Fischel, who is reprising a role as Topanga from the original series, tweeted Helm back a message of encouragement. Girl Meets World is scheduled to premiere in 2014, and it's going to center on Riley Matthews as she navigates the world with her best friend Maya, pretty much in Boy Meets World style, with Corey and Topanga playing her parents. Well, T.O. Helm is now officially off of the show. As he has tweeted, So guys, Disney decided it wouldn't work to have an older brother. I won't be on Girl Meets World. Thank you, everyone. Now, pushing back into the Disney parks, how about the Magic Kingdom and all the different hype that's going on with the disabilities? That's right, people with disabilities will no longer go straight to the front of the lines at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts after the growing abuse of the system. Now, under the all-new change that we talked about here on the show and many other podcasts are already up in arms about it, visitors are going to be issued tickets with a return time and shorter wait, similar to Fast Passes, but it's going to be for those with disabilities. Now, currently, visitors unable to wait in their regular line can can get backdoor access to rides or go through the exit and wait in a shorter line. Now the changes are in response to the phenomenon of disabled tour guides who charge money, sometimes hundreds of dollars, to accompany able-bodied guests and allow them to avoid long lines. Now others who don't have a disability have been able to get assistant cards because no proof of disability is required. Now the changes have taken place as of yesterday, October 9th, and Disney says more details are going to come. Now I think there are a lot of different areas of this that you know are troublesome so far i mean there's going to be a lot of things that they need to work out on this system there's going to be a variety of different tweaks that are going to have to be made but i think in the long run it's going to help i mean uh, coming from somebody who has been to the parks with somebody who truly is disabled i think that it is really going to help weed out all those people who have abused the system i mean what has been more annoying or a slap in the face to those who are truly disabled when they see somebody who isn't who just got a wheelchair they're there with their family laughing having a great time and skipping in front of the lines i mean it, it's nothing more than a slap in the face to those who want nothing more than to be the people waiting in the lines. They want nothing more to be that person being able to walk around and not be disabled or in a wheelchair bound. So, you know, it's a slap in the face to them. And I hope this really, you know, weeds out all those those people at the parks. I, I really do. I hope it really helps things out a lot. Now, continuing on with the Disney parks, how about Disney beginning to lock its hotel swimming pools overnight? That's right. Walt Disney World Resort has a variety of different things that they have planned with all the recent, uh, let's just say, near drownings or almost drownings um, at their swimming pools. But right 
right now, Disney's most popular pools are going to get extra lifeguards that are going to be stationed during operating hours. Now, also, overnight, they're going to lock down. That's right. Over the last six months, after a young boy drowned and many others have had some near-death experiences, they're going to lock down the swimming pools overnight. As they've officially released, these changes make it easier for guests to understand when our pools are open and when a lifeguard is present. Walt Disney World spokesperson Bernadette Davis has officially released. Now, Disney would not say whether a specific event triggered the move, but it follows the death of a 13-year-old Anthony Johnson, who was pulled from the pool at Disney's Pop Century Resort at about 9.30 p.m. on March 10th. Johnson, who was on vacation with his family from Missouri, died two days later at the Florida hospital in celebration. Now, though that pool was open from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., lifeguards were only on duty until 8 p.m. Now, Disney said that it has posted signs, and now they are going to have lifeguards on duty for the entire duration of pool hours. Well, getting back to Disney TV and other things, how about Apple TV? And many people love Apple TV. I myself don't actually use it, but now Apple TV has added a variety of different major things from Major League Soccer and Disney Tuner channels. That's right, Apple TV has officially added a variety of different channels to their lineup this last Thursday with Major League Soccer and Disney Junior joining the ranks of its over-the-air update. So now if you have Apple TV, you can enjoy Disney Junior. Get it streaming, get it going for your kids. So all of you D-heads, all right, two more things here. I'm going to tackle two more things before I take a break here and release the reins to the D-team. How about Star Wars Rebels? And Star Wars Rebels has had an official 16-second trailer that released this week, and hopefully the animation looks good. It's tough to tell from a ship and 16 seconds, but they have officially started cataloging this as well. The Disney Book Catalog reveals plans for promoting Star Wars Rebels. Now, many catalog titles have been spotted, and one of Disney's Rebels tie-in books are slated to get released as well. There's going to be a variety of different things, and if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels so far, they are having a huge campaign for this to kick off in 2014, so get ready for that. Now, OVD has one last thing here. I'll just leave it at this. Disney's Frozen. That's right. You've seen the merchandise at the parks. You've seen the merchandise at the stores. Pretty much everywhere. Well, Disney's Frozen officially has more trailers online, including new poster art. Fantastic film. I'm not going to get into it too much more. You've already heard about it in the past shows here. I'm not going to repeat myself here. So, all of you D-heads, we have all kinds of fun. We're getting ready for the not-so-scary Halloween celebration, celebrating it all show long. All kinds of fun. I'm psyched. I love Halloween. And we have Greg Proops stopping in here very shortly here at the show. Nightmare Before Christmas, Star Wars, Bob the Builder, whose line is it anyways? I'm excited to have Greg stopping in. So before I let you go, I do want to mention that Disney On Demand is officially sponsored by Pixie Vacations. And the agents at Pixie Vacations can help you plan your Walt Disney World, Disneyland vacations by Disney, and Disney Cruise plans right there with the help of these knowledgeable agents. The agents at Pixie Vacations are going to help you plan your trips and make it the most magical and make the most memories from your Disney experience. Contact all the agents at Pixie Vacations at PixieVacations.com. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to get a drink here of my candy corn soda. And I'm not lying. It truly is candy corn soda. If you follow us on Instagram at Disney Blue, you saw that I am drinking candy corn soda. So I'm going to sit here with my candy corn soda, release the reins to Aaron as he's going to reach his hand into the virtual mailbag and answer all your questions in I Want to Know. So all of you D-heads, let's continue to press on for show number 49 for the week of October 10th, 2013. Be right back, all of you D-heads. Boo to you, and Halloween is here. (laughs) 
to the haunted mansion you're invited for a Halloween party. I'm so excited. Mickey and Minnie are waiting at the gate. They need your help to decorate. So come on, come on, come on, join in. The Halloween party is about to begin. Halloween party's about to begin. The haunted mansion's a haunted house. Halloween's fun with Mickey Mouse. Listen up, you goblins and ghouls. Dress up and have fun, and those are the rules. You can trick or treat with a skeleton. Make no bones about it, it's fun. <laughs> following presentation will demonstrate how to haunt the living. But before we begin, one must be... <laughs> not living. <laughs> the fine specimen observed here is commonly known as a ghost. Ghost? Where? Why, you, my friend. Me? Yes, you have just joined the ranks of the supernatural. Oh, that explains what all that racket was out there. <laughs> hey, I'm not ready to be dearly deported. Don't you worry. It's only temporary. Just long enough for you to demonstrate how to haunt a house. Hi, it's Judith Hogue, and you're listening to DizRadio.com. Happy Halloween. Hey D-Heads, this is Aaron, and I'm back with another installment of I Want to Know. Hope everyone is enjoying the beginning of fall as much as I am. Just love those cool mornings and evenings. Well, the virtual mailbag is as full as ever, so let's reach in and get some questions for this week. Our first question comes from Holly from Indianapolis, and she writes, Hey Aaron, love the show. I'm a Goofy fan. Now I know that Goofy appeared as a father, dad, 
husband in many of the older cartoons. My question for you is, did Max ever appear before Goof Troop in any of these? Also, did Goofy ever have a different name in these? Well, you're not alone in love of Goofy. He's always been one of my favorite characters. Max Goof is the teenage son of Goofy. He first appeared in the 1992 television series Goof Troop. He also stars in the spin-off movie, A Goofy Movie from 1995, and its direct-to-video sequel, An Extremely Goofy Movie, in 2000. He was also in Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, 1999, and its sequel, Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas, 2004, both classics, in the 2001 TV series, House of Mouse, where he was the parking valet. Max is also a playable character on Super Nintendo video game Goof Troop from 1994, the PlayStation 2 video game Disney Golf 2002, and the PC video game Disney's Extremely Goofy Skateboarding 2001. An interesting fact about Max, Max is one of the few Disney characters who has actually aged in subsequent appearances. He was depicted as an 11-year-old in Goof Troop, then a 14-year-old in high school in a Goofy movie, then in an extremely Goofy movie he turns 18 years old, and in House of Mouth he's old enough to be employed as the valet. But the first appearance of Goofy's son was in the 1951 theatrical short, Fathers Are People. He is referred to as Goofy Jr. or simply Jr. He later appeared in a few other shorts, such as Father's Lion in 1952, Father's Day Off in 1953, and Aquamania 1961. In these earlier films, Goofy was also portrayed with a wife, though she's always nameless and faceless. When Goof Troop was created, Goofy Jr. evolved into Max, and Goofy's wife was no longer on the scene. Well, as for Goofy, he was originally known as Dippy Dog. The character is more commonly known simply as Goofy, a name used in his shorts film series. In his 1950s persona, Goofy was called George Geef, or G.G. Geef, implying that Goofy was merely a nickname. But in 1949 Goofy Gymnastics, he fills out a coupon with the names James Boyd. When Goof Troop came along, he gives his full character name as Goofy Goof, or GG Goof, likely a reference to the 50s name. In many other sources, both animated and comics, the surname Goof continues to be used. In other 2000s-era comics, the character's full name has occasionally been given as Goofus D. Dog. So he has quite a few names, but we know him and love him as Goofy. Our next question comes from George from Australia, and he writes, Cheers from Down Under. I have a quickie for you. In Spaceship Earth, the ride has been overhauled many times over. Just how many nar narrators have there been in the attraction, and how many upgrades to the scenes? Keep on rocking, D-Heads from Down Under. Well, Spaceship Earth is the iconic and symbolic structure of Epcot. The 15-minute dark ride shows guests how adventures in human communication have helped to create the future one step at a time. Passengers journey back in time to witness the origins of prehistoric man. Passengers then make several stops to witness important breakthroughs in communication throughout history, from the invention of the alphabet to the creation of the printing press to communication via computers. It's truly a great ride, one of my favorites. The structure was designed with the help of science fiction writer Ray Bradbury, who also helped write the original storyline for the attraction. 
I think the easiest way to explain all the renovations and narrators is just to give a timeline of the attraction. October 1st, 1982, Spaceship Earth opens with the opening of Epcot Center, sponsored by the Bell System. The narrator is Lawrence Dobkin. May 26, 1986, the attraction reopens from its first major renovation. AT&T is now the sponsor, having signed on in 1984. New narration is by Walter Cronkite. Finale music is changed to Tomorrow's Child. August 15, 1994, it closes for its second major renovation. Home computer, office computer, network operations center, and space station scenes removed. New final scenes installed replacing the old final scenes. Earth Station closes, Tomorrow's Child's ending removed. On November 23, 1994, the attraction reopens. The new ride narration is by Jeremy Irons. The global neighborhood replaces Earth Station. September 29, 1999, the Mickey Mouse arm holding a wand is dedicated with 2000 over Spaceship Earth. November 24, 1999, the Global Neighborhood is replaced with the New Global Neighborhood, a new exhibit space serving as a hands-on playground for Spaceship Earth's post-show. May 2001, the Mickey Mouse arm holding a wand is changed to say Epcot over Spaceship Earth. January 1, 2003, AT&T sponsorship ends. In April 2004, the new Global Neighborhood is removed and the area is boarded up. AT&T references are removed. November 2005, it's announced that Siemens AG will sponsor Spaceship Earth for 12 years. April 25, 2007, the new exhibit, Space, in Spaceship Earth's post-show called Project Tomorrow, Inventing the Wonders of the Future, opens. August 24, 2007, removal of the wand structure is completed. In February 15, 2008, the fourth edition opens to the general public after renovations. New narration is by Judy Ditch. Everyone seems to have their favorite narrator, but I'm partial to Jeremy Irons. Our final question this week comes from Michelle, and she writes, In Walt Disney Pictures' classic, The Black Cauldron, the Horn King's voice sounds very familiar. I can't put a finger on it. Also, I've been wondering, was this Disney's first PG animated film? and first with no songs. Well, The Black Cauldron was a 1985 film. It was Disney's first anime film to receive a PG rating. The film centers around the evil Horned King who hopes to secure the magical Black Cauldron and rule the world with its aid. He is opposed by the young Taron and Princess Ilonwi, the bard Fluter Flan, and a wild creature named Gurgi. John Hurt was the voice of the Horn King. He's been acting in movies and TV since 1961. Some roles you might remember him in include Kane from Aliens. He was John Merrick in The Elephant Man, and he played Mr. Ollivander in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part 1 and 2. He also narrated the 2000 release of the Tigger movie. But my favorite work of his was the voice of the Great Dragon on the TV series Merlin. And as far as being the first anime movie with no songs, I think you might be correct there also, Michelle. Looking at all the other Disney anime movies prior to 1985, they all have wonderful songs accompanying them. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com.
Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week. The happiest place on earth is about to get spookier. Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort returns September 13th through October 31st. It's a spirited celebration that's fun for the whole family. Mickey Mouse and his friends are all dressed up in their best Halloween costumes. You can meet and greet some of Disney's wickedest villains. And enjoy seasonal decorations at both the Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure Park. Here's a look at some of the special treats and surprises awaiting your family during this magical season. Creep over to the Disneyland Park and pay a hair-raising visit to Haunted Mansion Holiday. The mansion's spooky makeover is brought to you by Jack Skellington from Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Thrill seekers can attempt to escape the clutches of freaky phantoms on Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy. Meanwhile, little ghosts and goblins can join Mickey and his pals in a mini mask parade at Halloween Carnival at Big Thunder Ranch. On Main Street, USA, you can marvel at more than 300 uniquely carved pumpkins during the Main Street Pumpkin Festival. 
and have your own spirited fun watching Mickey's Soundsational Parade. Over at the reimagined Disney California Adventure Park, staff of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror is positively dying for you to drop in. As are the specters at California Screamin'. For even more thrills, cruise over to Cars Land and get ready to be floored on Radiator Springs Racers. Plus, no visit to Disney California Adventure Park is complete without experiencing the enchanting nighttime water spectacular World of Color. You can enjoy all these seasonal attractions and special activities with regular park admission during Halloween time at the Disneyland Resort. And if you're looking for even more treats, check out Mickey's Halloween Party, a special ticket event offered on select nights September 27th through October 31st, 2013. During this event, you're invited to dress up the little ones, don a costume of your own, and trick-or-treat at the ultimate neighborhood, Disneyland Park. There's no better time to gather your family and friends for some frightfully delightful fun at the Disneyland Resort, where there's more to see and do during this magical season. Hello, kitties. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. <laughs> Hey gang, Paige from the D-Team here. Halloween is coming up, it's that time of year for memories to start coming to mind. I have to say my favorite memories with Disney Halloween movies is watching The Nightmare Before Christmas and Mickey's House of Villains with my family. Not everyone in my family is a fan of Nightmare, but there are times when I've gotten to watch with them. It's enjoyable just because of the film, but also because it's a time where I just get to sit down and be with my family. With Mickey, I grew up with the House of Mouse, so it's a great way to remember the show. But I love how all of the Disney villains get featured, all the favorites at least. The entire film is comprised with cartoons, new and classic, and great interactions with the House of Mouse crew and the villains. Take some time this week to just sit back and think of some of your favorite Disney Halloween films. It brings back fun memories. Love your work. You'll forget your troubles, put your trust in me. You had your fun. You played your play. But every role it has to stay. Oh, I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. <laughs> the real chills come later. Now, as they say, look alive, and we'll continue our little tour. And let's all stay together, please. All right, all of you freakishly ghouls and goblins and ghosts and D-heads, I'm back once again, and I hope you're enjoying the kickoff of our second annual month-long not-so-scary Halloween celebration. 
all kinds of fun, all kinds of Halloween spirits. And remember, we want you to call in your favorite Disney Halloween memories as well. So definitely call them in using our Magical Memories line found right there on the website at DizRadio.com. So thank you, Aaron, once again for answering all those questions and I want to know. Thank you and all of you D-heads. Remember to contact Aaron with your questions at Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. You can also contact him directly through our website as well. So, D-Heads, we have lots of fun going on. Greg Proops is stopping in here shortly. We have Paige with the Magical Music Review and more. So I'm going to get right back into some Disney news here. So jumping right back into it, how about Disney Channel star Bella Thorne? That's right. This week, we just want to send out a happy birthday celebration as Bella Thorne from Shake It Up, and she's going to be in a variety of movies coming up very soon. She just hit a milestone in her young life as she officially turned 16 this last Wednesday, October 9th. So she had a great party, and she had a huge party for everybody to come out. It was decked out, and she also had a pink and black cake provided by Candies, which was for the perfect occasion, and as we all know, she uh, is one of the spokespeople for the Candies company. So she had some great things to say about her party and all of her co-stars, and that's all I'm going to really say. You know, my niece loves Bella Thorne, so happy birthday, Bella, on your 16th. So moving right along in television news, everybody loves Parks and Rec, right? I mean, we love the TV show. Well, how about this? Dog with a Blog has now gotten more viewers in Parks and Rec this last week. That is right. You heard me correct. The Disney Channel series about a talking dog with a blog had 3.5 million viewers on Friday, October 4th. That's right. And that beat Parks and Rec last week, who only had 3 million viewers. The critically acclaimed NBC sitcom has been struggling in its new 8 p.m. time slot now in its sixth season. But Parks is anchoring what used to be known as must-see TV on NBC, and it's going up against a variety of different champs, including The Big Bang Theory and more. But Dog with a Blog has pulled in ahead of it. How about that? A talking dog can beat Parks and Rec. So pushing right along, since we are talking about great movie and TV, so how about Disney animators? And famed Disney animator Floyd Norman is going to be visiting the Wren's Nest. Now the Wren's Nest, the former home of Joel Chandler Harris, was established as Atlanta's first home museum almost a century ago, and it was funded by contributions from Teddy Roosevelt, Andrew Carnegie, and children from the Atlanta public school systems. Now Harris, a journalist and author, is most famous for recording the African-American stories of Br'er Rabbit and other critters as told by his character, Uncle Remus. Now, the Wren's Nest continues to celebrate these tales today as well as contemporary storytelling, both oral and written. Now, the Wren's Nest is hosting Norman, a famed Disney animator, as the first African-American animator to work at Disney, with events open to the public October 23rd and 24th. And Norman's work can be seen in Sleeping Beauty, The Jungle Book, and many other animated pieces. Now, named as a Disney legend in 2007, Norman most recently published his book, My Animated Life, a lifetime of tips, tricks, techniques, and stories from an animated legend. Now, Norman shares the Wren's Nest love of storytelling and Br'er Rabbit's tales. In the 1980s, Norman created a story, zippity doo Christmas, using it, as he put it, the funny, clever, outrageous characters from Song at the South. Now, this is taking place in Atlanta, and the famed Disney animator, being the first African-American animator to work at Disney, is going to be celebrating the 100th anniversary of the Wren's Nest. Who doesn't love you know, Song of the South and Uncle Remus and all of those. So I'm pretty excited for this. And if you have a chance to get down to it, let us know because we'd love somebody to cover it for us. Now, with Halloween here, yes, the not-so-scary Halloween party is in full effect. And, you know, I myself am pretty excited for what we're doing. But I do got to talk about Christmas here. And how about little girls 
right now on their Christmas list, love the Sophia the First Royal Talking Enchanted Vanity. That's right, it's going to be a Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Christmas gift for little girls. Now get ready for after Thanksgiving as the holiday season is going to kick off with Disney's Sophia the First Royal Talking Enchanted Vanity that is an all-new product by Jack Pacific. It is now a recommended and featured product on HottieDeals.com and many other places. Now a spokesperson for HottieDeals.com says, this talking vanity playset brings joy to little girls. They can pamper themselves with the accessories that are already included in the set, and it also gives princess lessons to delight kids. Now, they have a variety of different things that do come with this. It comes with a comb, lipstick, two perfume bottles, a mini tiara, a necklace, and a matching stool. Now, my daughter has something similar like this for the Little Mermaid. I mean, these vanities are nothing new. They always have them. They had them for Tangled and many others. Well, now the Sophia the First talking one gives princess lessons as well. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I've been doing a lot of talking here so far this week. Lots of news, lots of things off the D-wire, and we still have more. We have our D-team member Paige stopping in with the Magical Music Review, and we also have our very special guest Greg Proops stopping in here as well. You know him from The Nightmare Before Christmas, Star Wars, Bob the Builder, Whose Line Is It Anyway, and many other things, including his podcast, the Proop Cast. So I'm pretty excited for that. So you know what? I'm going to continue drinking on my candy corn soda here and I'm going to release the Rain Store D Team member page. But remember, all of you D heads, all month long is Halloween here at Disney On Demand. And get ready because closer to Halloween, follow us on Twitter, follow our Facebook, like our Facebook page because we are going to be releasing something specially exclusive just to those outlets. Let's just say if you were looking for that perfect party mix to listen to with your kids and others for Halloween, you want to put something in, have some Halloween tunes, and have some fun with your family, we're going to have an extra special Diz Radio Not-So-Scary Party Mix. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and many other places, and uh, stay connected because we're going to have that as well. So with that said, I'm going to continue with my candy corn soda, and next time you hear me, I'm going to have Greg Proops here as we're going to uncover more from his fantastic career. Be right back, all VD heads. Take it away, Paige. When I was a little kid, I never liked to eat. Mom would put things on my plate and I'd dump them on her feet. But then one day she made this soup and I ate it all in bed. I asked her what she put in it and this is what she said. Chicken whips and lizard hips and alligator eyes. Monkey legs and buzzer legs and salamander thighs. Rabbit ears and camel ears and tasty toenail pies. stood beside the sink. I said, I'm feeling slightly ill and I think I'd like a drink. Mama said, I'm just the thing, we'll get it in a week. It's full of lots of protein and vitamins, I think. It was chicken lips and lizard hips and alligator eyes. Lucky legs and buzzard eggs and salamander thighs. Rabbit ears and camel ears. 
here's some for you and you and you. Bon appetit! Yeah! Yummy! <laughs> Worse, there's lots left. Don't you want dessert? There's one time of the year that's like a bad dream, but relax. It's no nightmare. It's just... Hello. Don't lose your head this Halloween. Yes! Because we've got a monster mix of boobies that'll make you shake with fear in the creepiest month of the year. We're talking about three ancient hags versus the 20th century. How bad can it be? You! What's the problem, little dude? He thinks his mom is a monster. Cool. So is mine. Don't you ever worry that you're just not cut out to be a witch? Who's your friend? We found him in a graveyard. This was... The yellow brick road. Dorothy! What would you say if I told you I was a witch? I'm not coming back ever. Come! I'll show you the world! <laughs> nice effect. It's the craziest month you've ever seen, because weird stuff happens this Halloween. All month long on the Disney Channel. Welcome, foolish mortals to Disney On Demand's annual not-so-scary month-long celebration. Get your costumes on, bags in hand, and trick-or-treat. star is Greg Proops, who did voice work for The Nightmare Before Christmas, so we will be taking a look at the soundtrack for this great Halloween film. The music was written by Danny Elfman. He even provided the singing voice for the Pumpkin King, Jack Skellington. There are many memorable songs on this soundtrack, so I'm going to highlight a few. You can't talk music for Nightmare without mentioning the opening number, This is Halloween. A spooky song to be sure starts with the violins and a solo clarinet. You can feel the pulse from the violins bringing you into the town, and the clarinet adds to the mystery. The vocals are of the members of Halloween Town. The townspeople take turns introducing themselves, each being defined as one of the monsters you've grown up hearing about. During the chorus line, This is Halloween, the instrumental is really heavy to bring emphasis, while during the individual verses, the intensity is dropped to a softer dynamic. It allows the vocals to come forward and take the stage without competing with the background. It all builds together to the introduction of their man Jack. 
the song ending with a spooky, for lack of a better word, grand entrance that signifies Jack's entrance. The song sets the scene from the mainland of the film. Hiding under your bed, teeth ground sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs, fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. In this town we call home, everyone hail to the pumpkin song. The woman Jack is king of the pumpkin patch, everyone hail to the pumpkin king. Now this is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. In this town we call home, everyone hail to the pumpkin song. Of every townsperson in Halloween Town, Jack is definitely the main character of the film. So naturally, he has some numbers of his own. Actually, he shows up in six. But there are three that really give the audience the connection to the character, in my opinion. The first is what Howard Ashman, who worked on the music for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and Beast, Aladdin, would describe as the I Want song, entitled Jack's Lament. The song starts with a gloomy instrumental intro. It sets the mood for the rest of the song. What makes it the I Want song is that its purpose is to give the audience an idea of who the main character is and what they're looking for in life. What they want, if you will. It gives us the connection with the character we will follow for the rest of the film. Jack acknowledges who he is. He describes how he works, what makes him the Pumpkin King. But what he also does is describe how he feels he's missing something in his life. He doesn't know what it is, but there's something missing. The instrumental is fairly light throughout the song, so it doesn't overpower Jack. It also follows the different moods of Jack. When he's talking about who he is in the beginning, the sound is whimsical, as he's just describing who he is. As Jack reaches that he feels he's missing something in his life, the sound turns into a more of a sad melody, re-emphasizing Jack's tone. By the end of the song, the audience should feel they really know who Jack is, a king who wants more in life. Once you learn what your main character is looking for, it's never too long before you see the object of their fascination for the rest of the film. By now, we've heard about the nightmare. Time for Christmas! Jack's next song is What's This? This song is much lighter and more whimsical than Jack's Lament, to be sure. It is a description of what Jack discovers in Christmas Town. The sights, the sounds, the smells, and the differences between it and Halloween Town. It leads into where the rest of the film will get its focus. Without this song, we wouldn't really find out what it is that fascinates Jack about Christmas and what makes him want to take it over. The instrumental is full of the excitement that Jack feels. With sleigh bells, it gives the Christmas theme to the song. It's whimsical and entertaining. Take a listen. 
What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? The last song that we're going to look at is Poor Jack. This is the third song that is only Jack. It's the gloomiest of the three. Jack has ruined Christmas. He's been shot from the sky and he doesn't know what to do. He spends the first half of the song feeling sorry for himself. Then he starts to get frustrated. As he points out, he wasn't intending to do anything wrong. He wanted to do something nice for everyone. As he works through his frustration, he remembers who he really is, the Pumpkin King. The instrumentals, again, follow Jack's moods like they do in Jack's Lament. When the song starts, it's very soft and very simple. It doesn't grow until Jack starts to get frustrated. As it continues, the low brass in particular gets heavier and more prominent. It continues to grow as Jack remembers who he is. The song ends with Jack realizing he can still fix things. It's a good lead-in to the end of the film, and it brings the audiences getting to know Jack full circle. At the beginning, Jack is unsure. Now he knows who he is. to run. Hope you all have a good rest of your week. See you real soon. So when ghosts and goblins by the score, ring your bell or pound your door. Better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. Everybody's free. It's 
sharp and eyes glowing red. I am the one hiding under your stairs. Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 In this town we call home. Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next surprise. Round that corner and hiding in the trash can. Something's waiting now to pounce and how you scream. Hey, this is Halloween. Red and black. It's like green. Aren't you scared? Well, that's just fine. Say it once, say it twice. Take a chance and roll the dice. Ride with the moon in the dead of night. Everybody scream. Everybody scream. It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, we're back once again for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we bring you all the magic and memories and all the fun from all those people that help uh, bring all the memories and magic to life, whether that's in your living room, on the big screen, you name it. With us here this week is somebody that is no stranger to any of you. You may know shows if you're a parent like Bob the Builder. You also may know the cult classics like Nightmare Before Christmas, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and also Whose Line Is It Anyways, and also the man who's behind the smartest man in the world, Proopcast. We have none other than Greg Proops with us here this week. 
Welcome to Disney On Demand. Thank you, Jonathan. Hello, Disney On Demand people. Oh, it is our pleasure having you on. I mean, somebody uh, of your stature and I guess uh, improv capabilities that have brought the laughter to all of us. You know, it's just a pleasure to have you here on the show. Well, that's very nice of me. It's a pleasure to be on. So, you know, I guess jumping right into it, one of the things that everybody knows you for, of course, is improv and uh, comedy and all that kind of fun. I guess what led you down that road of uh, just, you know, doing that comedy kind of bit? Is it the kind of thing where you were harassing teachers growing up or harassing your parents? Is it just something that you always knew was in your blood? I spent a lot of time outside as a student, Jonathan. For my teacher used to read um, a book that I don't know if the kids read anymore called The Wrinkle in Time. And uh, I would act it out behind him and then I'd get sent outside. So, uh, yeah, I am. I think attention-seeking brat might be... Uh, and then I kind of shied up a little bit uh, during the horrible uh, middle school years because um, I was quite short in that glasses. And that's not a real invigorating experience for a young man. And uh, then when I got to high school, I got a little taller and I got a little confident and started doing the talent shows. And then it's just been show offiness since, really. So it's the kind of thing where no matter what, you've always known it's uh, it's pretty much there that you wanted to make people laugh, if anything, just for yourself, even. Absolutely. I don't. Uh, I said to my wife once, I've changed things so many times. And my wife said, you've been doing comedy as long as I've known you. And, uh, you know, I just, I got to college and uh, they had an improv group there. And... Uh, they played at the, the cantina in, a, in my dormitory, and I went to see them, and they had a bit where they pulled someone out of the audience. And so I watched it, and I thought, I can do that. And the next week I went back, and I sat in the front row, and they said, can we have someone come out? And I jumped up, and then the next day the guy asked me to do to be in his improv group. So that's how I learned to do improv, just purely by being, you know, being there and jumping up. Uh, but I, I thought when I saw it, I thought, this is... Uh, amazing you know to make stuff up and not have to worry about it <laughs> well you know doing improv too like you said it's the kind of thing where it's it's on the spot it's on the fly and it's fun you know and you've had your share of working in television and film and doing voice acting um is improv i guess is it one of those things where it very it's very hard to accomplish as opposed to the rest or is it just more freeing in general i jonathan i think it's more freeing in general i don't think it's people think it's difficult because i think they're afraid to do it on their own but uh, if you're lazy and attention-seeking like I am, it's much easier than actually learning lines or working hard. Um, I'm playing with Ryan Stiles and uh, Jeff Davis and Joe Murray this week. We're on the road in Canada. In fact, we're on the road for the next couple of weeks in Canada, um, all over British Columbia and Ontario. So I still play with all the guys all the time. Uh, and then I was just in England, and I did a bunch of gigs in um, Ireland and whatnot with uh, uh, a lot of the British Hughes Line guys and all the British cast of Hughes Line. So... I still work with them all, and I still we still make each other laugh, and uh, that's what makes it fun, you know. That that's the part that keeps it exciting and new. Definitely. Now, I guess stepping aside from improv and all that kind of fun, I guess going down to that scale of uh, you know all the people that are parents and they have the little ones and Bob the Builder, which uh, always is a big one, one that everybody loves. I mean, I have four kids myself, so you know Bob the Builder is no stranger to me. Uh, what was it landing that kind of role and in, in jumping into the voice work of being this iconic children's character? Now, I loved it. Um, Sometimes people go, oh, your comedy's very adult, but you do children's voices, isn't that odd? And I think, no, not at all. I, I, I happen to like children. It's parents that don't have to I get them, they get in the way. Um, <laughs> I was in London, and uh, they asked me to come in. It's a British cartoon. And uh, I came in, and I was reading the dialogue, and I had all these funny voices that I did, you know, you know I planned. And uh, finally, the um, very British, you know, they come over there, um, 
intercom, and they go, uh, Greg, would you mind just doing your voice, please? And I said, are you insinuating that I have a cartoon voice? <laughs> and so I read it again, just like I'm talking to you. This is Bob the Builder's voice, for those of you who haven't heard me do it. Jonathan, well done. You're decent, you're recycled. Um, so I'm really just doing my own voice. And, uh, I, they, they did something they never do in show business. They gave me the job right then and there. Wow. You know, and, and like I said, it's one of those things where now, you know, in, when it comes to children's uh, series and television, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Bob the Builder's everywhere. No matter what, he's one of those things where reruns are going to be played, everybody turns the channel on, and every little boy and girl out there loves Bob the Builder, you know. And, and I have my favorites, of course, which, you know, being a father, you know, I have my own favorite episodes watching it with my kids as well. Well, what, what is it? It's really about two to three or so, four. After four, I think you're... Yeah, after four, you're probably pushing it. Yeah, it's a usually... You're kind of off, off the builder and you're... Yeah. You're onto something more hardcore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, so it's a real it's a real seminal time, uh, a real formative time for children. And it's such a great, you know, show that has such a nice message and everything. They're all very nice to each other. The funny part was I'd, I had to dub everything into what we call the North American package. And um, that meant that we didn't drink tea. Uh, we drank coffee, right? And we didn't live in a caravan. We lived in a trailer. And uh, sometimes some of that stuff would slip through, and I'd say, you guys, we'd never say this. Because <laughs> uh, they say, we always say parts. There's the parts of a thing, and they say bits and bobs and things like that. Uh, and occasionally one of them would sneak through, and I'd be the police and go, mm, you know, we're not, drinking, we're not drinking tea in a, caravan, in a caravan and taking a call on a mobile. <laughs> We use cell phones and drink coffee. Right. Well, you know, I guess, and stepping aside from, uh, you know, all the fun little things of that kind of thing, like you said, doing adult stuff, and whose line is it anyways, which, uh, you know, when it first aired, you know, did were you, I guess, just as surprised at how popular that show had become right off the bat, you know, doing, you know, this improv live on TV, and it was just, it was a fun, great show, I guess. Did you catch you off guard that it was so popular as it was? <laughs> Excuse me, it did. I went to England to first do it in 1989, which was its second year on the air, I think. My friend Mike McShane had done the first year. And um, I did it that year. And then my friend Richard Vaughn, who was the keyboard player on the British version, we kept saying to each other, surely this is going to end. And it went on for 10 years in England. And then I came over here and did the American one for four more years. So it's been as big a shock to me as anything else because I've done various television shows over time, and the longest any of them ever lasted was two seasons. <laughs> Most of the ones I've done were one and out, and some of them didn't even get through their whole season before they got canned. Uh, so to be on something like that has been enormously you know, important to my life, and um, it's allowed me to go around the world, which I think is the most fun part, because the show played in, you know, everywhere. Uh, uh, like I said, for instance, this year I've been to Paris, London, Oslo, Amsterdam, Ireland, Scotland, you know, uh, and uh, plans for South Africa, um, a couple years ago, New Zealand and Australia, and they know you from whose line, you know? Definitely. In, even in Norway. Well, you know, and that's the kind of thing where it has to feel great, just, you know, knowing that you can go to these places, and they're familiar with, you know, who you are, and your style, and being known around the world like that, just, uh, you know, knowing that laughter truly is a universal language. Well, that's so true, and also... 
I'm a comedian, so people just generally like you. It's not like you're a tax collector or, you know what I mean? It's not a dangerous job. People go, you, you're the guy on the thing. Have a thing, you know, have an ice cream. They're nice. They don't go, you, get out, you know. Uh, so that's the best part. Uh, and I think if you're just jolly with people, uh, they love you for it, you know. Because um, people are happy to see comedians, and that's the best part of the job. They're not angry. <laughs> well, you know, and looking back at, at those series, whether it's the UK version or uh, the American version, um, do, is there anything that ever happens when you're off set or anything like that where it's just true lasting moments to you of uh, just hysterical moments where you're just like, all right, this is never going to air, but it, it's something that you're going to remember forever? We were in the studio once in London, me and Ryan Stiles, he's the tall one, and uh, we were doing a bit together, and I think we were pretending it. I don't know, I can't remember, but it was a movie-style set. And a pipe broke in the studio. And we were at Limehouse, London, and filled the studio with water. And so everyone was taken outside. Me and Ryan went outside and talked to people. It took a couple of hours to, you know, or like an hour to clean it up, fix the pipe, you know. There's electrics everywhere. There's lights, cameras. We resume. Our producer, Dan, who's produced every episode for a thousand years, and we've worked with him forever, is as uptight as you could possibly be, right? <laughs> so he says, uh, whatever you do, don't mention that the pipe burst. So the first bit back on, uh, they, I think we got Titanic or something as a suggestion. And I said, oh, my God, the pipe's burst. And it's not a very funny thing to say, except on the soundtrack you hear the audience explode. And I always thought that was one of the funniest moments on the show because <laughs> there's no reason why that stuff, you know what I mean? Right. I, I'm hanging on to Ryan and he goes, well, you know, look at the boat, something, and I go, oh my God, the pipe burst. And the audience burst, I'm laughing like it's the funniest thing anyone's ever said. And I know Dan was up there fuming, but it worked so well we had to leave it in. <laughs> and one time Tony Slattery's pants put up and he wasn't wearing underwear and there was quite a, quite a situation. <laughs> 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 that, see, now those are the kind of moments where I would love to be there, be a fly on the wall, and just enjoy some of those things. Well, minus, minus the uh, no underpants. Well, that was, uh, yeah, that was I, I really saw far too much of Christmas and the New Year, but uh, um, <laughs> he, uh, it, it, the whole crowd was there, too, because we've always shot live. And that's the other thing, like, that keeps us on as people are occasionally say, well, surely you don't make it up. And it's like, you, you could have come and seen us do it. You know, we did it in front of people. And yes, there's magic in television because they'd edit the show down. But they would, they would leave in. There's lots of blooper reels, I think, of the American one, too. You can watch us make mistakes and swear and, you know, fall over. And, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a real thing. But the shitty live, I thought, gave it the extra energy that made it. People ask me, why do I think people like the show? And I think, one, you can watch with your family. And two, and the energy, the live energy. Definitely. Now, I guess stepping aside from, you know, that kind of thing and going more into, you know, more voice work and movie work and being part of uh, the Star Wars franchises and things like that, you know, it's uh, those are the kind of things, too, where they're little nuggets in history that have their own fan base, their own following. And, you know, people know every character, every voice. I guess what was it like being part of, you know, so many different elements of the Star Wars franchise? Well, that's been amazing. I mean, I got in the picture of the Phantom Menace. Um, 90, golly, I can't even remember when we shot it, Jonathan. Um, but I was working in England and Scotland, and, um, uh, the lady, the casting director came and saw me do my show, 
And my friend Scott Capullo, who's also a comedian from San Francisco, was doing his show, and we had American voices. And they were looking for two Americans to play the Padres announcers, and they shoot the pictures in England, Tunisia, you know, everywhere but America. And uh, so we went in and auditioned, and we improvised some jokes, and we did our little sports announcers. And uh, we got in, and then we shot at it. Um, we, we had all this makeup on, uh, and in the movie, we're just CGI'd. So we spent all this time having makeup built with giant heads and everything. We had to have, you know, when they wrap your head in Vaseline. And, <laughs> and then on the day, we, we were in makeup for maybe four or five hours uh, to get the makeup on. And then they just CGI'd it right out. But you can see pictures of us online uh, of the original makeup. They're these giant heads. Uh, we're called Foden Bead. And uh, Scott speaks Hattese, and I speak English in it. And um, we're to, at the end of the day, we shot, and George Lucas couldn't have been nicer. And I, as I like to say that, George Lucas, um, having just made the deal with Disney and everything, gave all of that money to education that he made from the Star Wars deal, which I can't say how exciting that is and how admirable that is. Um, he was very nice on the day, very low-key, and then... At the end of the day, uh, Scott grabbed one of the second ADs and said, is there any free stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy ran off and came back with two polar fleeces. And for your fans who are Star Wars uh, people, um, the, the polar fleeces say, episode one, they don't say The Phantom Menace. The movie wasn't named yet. So they're kind of like Revenge of the Jedi shirts. Nice. Um, so I do own, and no, I'm not going to sell it on eBay. And no, I'm not telling you where I keep it in my house. But I do have it, and... Um, I'm never going to get rid of it because, you know, I got it on the set of the movie. So, And then a couple of years ago, they were doing the cartoon, and I played a, a bad guy uh, in Clone, War, uh, Clone Wars? Yes. On TV. And uh, the, and the animated series. And I played uh, a bad guy who threatened Princess Amandala with a gun, so I was very excited. And um, then I, I'm wasted at the end of the episode. And then they called me a few months later and said, will you come back and do another episode? And I said, how can my character be in it? My character's dead. And they went, it's a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, right, I forgot. It's the Star Wars universe. The things can happen all the time. Right, everything can happen in any order that we want it to happen. Exactly. Because <laughs> so, I was the same character, and I was like, but you killed me at the end of the episode. <laughs> well, you know, moving from Star Wars and continuing on with uh, another film that you did you know, did some voice work with, and uh, it's one, another one of those called Classics, and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, you did a variety of different voices on there. You know, it was a great ensemble cast. Um, you know, and that's the kind of film where I'm sure, you know, you know, I could be assuming, but at the time, you know, you did these lines, great, and now here we are, you know, 20 years later, whatnot, and the film is still just a huge cult following, whether it's at the parks, uh, DVD, Blu-ray, I mean, the the legions of fans are, are just crazy. Oh, yeah, I that's one that, uh, I mean, I thought when we were making it that it was lovely, um, but I didn't know that it was going to be, um, if I, if I can be pardoned for saying this, an enduring holiday classic. Um, I did an, a British TV show a few years ago where they were talking about the 100 greatest film musicals of all time, and they interviewed me about that movie, if you can believe it. And the next person they had in was George Chakiris from West Side Story, and I thought, surely this movie is not in the category of West Side Story, but I think because it, it, it's 20 years, or however many years now, 25-ish, uh, 23-ish, I don't know, um, it, it, like you say, it persists. That movie was amazingly fun because they shot it. They shot the movie in San Francisco, but I was with the voice people and we recorded in the Bay Area and in Los Angeles. 
And I'm, I'm in it with two very good friends. One of my best friends in the world, Debbie Durst, who's a comedian, um, Will Durst's wife. She plays the little baby and a couple of the witches. And her, her and I are literally best friends, and we both got parts uh, in that movie. So we were always together in the studio. So it, that part made it amazing. And then sometimes we'd improvise little notes and this and that. And Danny Elfman um, was such a nice person to work with. And he stuck a couple in. But uh, uh, it, 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 we worked with Danny mostly. And me and her were the only ones who weren't professional singers. We're comedians. So everyone else could sight read. Everyone else was like working the Oscars, you know, the people who do the background voices and those kind of gigs, you know, sessions, commercials, uh, jingles. Uh, and me and her would just get out there and bang away in our flat voices, you know. And I think it's because we both have funny voices. <laughs> again, again, as Oscar Wilde said, your weaknesses are your strength. I, I think my voice is nasal and funny, but it's why I think I've had these voice gigs. <laughs> not all of them because not everybody wants it and then the cat who played the wolfman was a blues singer from San Francisco named Glenn Walters and he could sing it two tones at once if you watch Nightmare you know there's the wolfman in it um, and he was a friend of ours too because he was a bar singer in San Francisco and he talked like this you know so in the movie he'd be like whoa and he could make that uh, <laughs> just a really nice guy he was in a group called the Hoodoo Rhythm Devils very cool. Well, you know, it's 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 like you said. It's the kind of thing where at the moment you didn't realize that, you know, now it's this holiday classic that people watch for Halloween, they watch for Christmas, and it, it amazes me how the fans can pull out every person who, uh, you know, contributed a voice to it or whatnot. I mean, people like yourself, or, you know, they hear a voice and like, oh, the devil, oh, that's Greg. Or, you know, it doesn't make a difference what it is. The fans know that film inside and out. It is amazing, because I'm really, I mean, I'm in it. I, have, I do a four or five voices, but people, you know, keep coming out back to me for it. And, uh, and I like Star Wars, too. I think the people who watch those movies are devotees, and they're really emotionally attached to the movie. So even even the most arcane, <clears throat> obscure stars in the movie, like myself, uh, we still get attention to and it's nice. The Devil was a good one, because they gave me the devil, and they said, you're the devil. Uh, go home and come back with a voice. And so I thought, well, everybody goes like this, you know, you know that voice, devilly voice. And I thought of um, George Saunders, who your Disney fans will remember as Shere Khan in the Jungle Book. He's the tiger that chases Mowgli around, and, and George Saunders spoke like this. And so that's my devil. I did bad George Saunders. <laughs> so if you listen to it, I, I think I say, uh, they go a pox, and I say, oh, do I pox? <laughs> And uh, they, they put a, you know, they put a computer jazz on it so it goes for a little point. But I remember that's how uh, collaborative and how generous they were. Uh, you know, Henry Selleck, the director, said to me, you're the devil, go home and come back. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, I guess that's one of the good times when somebody uh, is calling you the devil and it's something positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I guess stepping aside from all those kind of fun things and moving forward to, you know, what you're doing now, and of course, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast. Now, uh, you know, fantastic. You know, I've listened to it many times, and uh, it's it's a great show. I mean, I just love how it's uh, very free-flowing and fun, I guess. What was your idea for that and made you want to start this? Um, two fellows came to me who produce uh, Jimmy Pardo and Doug Benson shows who both have very excellent podcasts and they said would you like to do one and I said well what will we do interview authors or something and they were like no why don't you just get up and talk and I said well no one wants to hear me talk 
And they said, you'd be surprised. So people would. So they convinced me to do it, and I started it about two and a half years ago. I had no idea what I was going to do when I first started it, and then I just freeformed it, like you say. Wow. Now, after two and a half years, I find that it's the main part of my career. You know, I do stand-up and improv all the time still, but the podcast is the thing that I love the most. I'm doing one tomorrow night in Los Angeles, and I'm flying to Vancouver Thursday and doing it there, and I just got back from doing it in um, Denver, New Orleans, and Chicago in the last two weeks. And before that, as I said, Norway and Amsterdam, uh, Ireland, London, everywhere this year, and Paris. Uh, so it's really taken me a lot of places. And because the Internet is so international, it's like who's line. I can go to, you know, Holland, and people listen to it there. Uh, so I try to improvise it. I try to make it from the heart. And I think that's the other thing people really love about podcasts is they're sincere, you know. Uh, like you say, mine's freestyle. It's whatever's happening to me and whatever's going on in the news and whatever I'm thinking about and maybe old stories and stuff. But they know that nobody's taken a meeting and that no one's told me what to say. And there's very little you know, influence. Uh, it's really me. So I think that's sort of why people have dug it and why I have enjoyed doing it more than any. I had no. This is the thing that surprised me more than anything else, Jonathan. I thought I'd like doing it. But after I did a couple, my wife said to me, um, this is the best thing you've ever done. <laughs> and I thought, you mean sitting at a table drinking is my, you know, strength? <laughs> it took me 30 years to learn this. Well, Sitting at a table talking is what I do best. So uh, I love doing it. And um, I have no intention of stopping it. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's just done so well for me. And a lot of young people listen, which is my favorite part, you know, because I'm a middle-aged man, uh, and I've been around a while, and to have your crowd come to you like that uh, keeps you honest and keeps you vital. Well, you know, and something like this, too, like you said, it's, uh, you know, a definite part of your career, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where you are just... You know, it's free form. You're you're saying what's on your mind, and that's what makes them so enjoyable. But I also think that you know myself listening to many of them as well. It's just the kind of thing where also a lot of your fans, it's they feel like more connected to you. I feel. I mean, yes, you have Who's Line and things like that, but listening to the cast, it's more of hey, this is this is the guy that I'm just sitting down and chatting with. That's the feeling that it gets. I'm so glad you say that because I, it's exactly how I feel. And here's something else that I don't know if it's interesting, but. As a, and would you stand up or improv? It's important kind of not to see the crowd beforehand because there has to be a little magic when you hit the stage. Afterward, of course, at the improv show, we take pictures and we talk to everybody. But at the podcast, it's the opposite. I go out into the audience before a podcast. If you come see me live, you'll find this. And I talk to everybody. And I meet everybody. And I shake everybody's hand and I talk to the crowd for half an hour. And I would have never done that in stand up because it, you need a little bit of distance for the magic of stand up to work. But with this show, it's so offhand, and so, like you say, sitting around talking, that it makes it work better, I've found. And, and it's changed my approach with the audience, you know? I feel like I can be more honest, because we're all on the same page. I'm not trying to prove anything, uh, or hit a big home run. It's a lot more organic. Definitely. You know, and it's also the kind of thing, too, where it's, uh, you know, like you said, it's one of the things you're most proud of, uh, you know, that you've been working on and so forth. And, you know, the other thing that's great about it is 
because it is a podcast, it's the kind of thing where people, they can, you know, add it to their collection, add it to their library. And if they need a laugh or a pick me up, they can just play it back, whether they're driving, running, walking, and just, uh, you know, bring that smile to their face. I agree. Uh, the portableness of it and the, uh, uh, the on-demand aspect of it makes it incredibly vital to today. Because people do, they'll say, they'll, they'll call, they'll email me and say, um, how come the last show was only an hour? I have a two-hour commute. You know, <laughs> I'm listening to you in my car, man, and I need another hour. And uh, also, I make sure that the one you can download um, on iTunes or gregroups.com is free. So it's always free, and I have no plans to charge for it. And um, I think that's another element that is appealing to people in this day and age. Um, you know how people used to feel about television a little bit. Um, uh, I think that's people are young, especially young people and people who like podcasts feel that way about podcasts. It's uh, it's free. You can listen to it when you want and it fills up time in an engaging way that um, it is like having a, listening to a conversation, which is, uh, I think, the most basic human form of entertainment, right? conversation definitely you know and and it's the kind of thing where like you said it's free it's fun and yeah it's it's something that they can control when they listen how they listen and how they engage with it some people listen when they're cooking and stuff and as as someone else pointed out to me you can do something else while you're listening and and that way i think it's like old-time radio and therefore your imagination is um stirred a little more Oh, and it is if you were playing a video game or, or whatever. Definitely. Well, that's that's what we need to do then. We need to get you in there and be uh, like the great Gildersleeve or Jack Benny or something. <laughs> I love the great Gildersleeve. Oh. I met him once when I was little. Uh, I, I would that's love obscure. To. Yeah, that is obscure. I'm one of the rare people, I think, that know about Great Gildersleeve and uh, uh, all those great shows. I, I won't even go into What a voice he had. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong. And you can't, you can't miss Birdie either, you know? <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. And Benny was such a genius. Oh, definitely. Well, you know, I guess we don't want to keep you too long. We know you're busy, got a lot of different things going on. But I guess when it comes to anything else, whether it's voice work or film or anything else, you know, is there anything else that you have coming up that you can let anyone in on? I'm a little demon in an animated Christian dance movie that's coming out. But I don't know when it's coming out, but it's called Tell and Back. Uh, again, I play a demon. Uh, yeah, Recasting re- re- myself. Um, I also made a comedy a video of my stand-up, and it's called um, Greg Proof's Live at Musso and Frank. There's a real famous old-time restaurant in Hollywood called Musso and Frank's. And um, it's shop when you see it there. It's a, really the oldest restaurant called 1919. So it's from the silent era. Shop when you see it there with Doug Fairbanks in the silent days. And then in the glory days, you know, Bogey and uh, Lord Bacall, Joe DiMaggio, Marilyn, all that. And also, all the writers uh, drank there and ate there. William Faulkner wrote the big, uh, um, Raymond Chandler wrote the big sleep there. Um, supposedly wrote it in a booth there. Um, John Fonte, who wrote Ask the Dust, and um, uh, Scott Fitzgerald. So it's a pretty heady little crew. It was my manager's idea to shoot it there, and we just shot it in the back room of this restaurant. So it's waiters with red jackets, and those little tables with the you know the yellow tablecloths, and and martinis, and uh, a real old school feel. And um, I talk a lot about old school Hollywood at the first part, and then I tell a long story kind of the second part, but it's, that's my new comedy special and it's on chill.com and you can pre-order it. And that we are asking money for, uh, like Louis C.K. and Maria Bamford before me, the new, like we were talking about, Jonathan, the way to connect with people 
immediately. Um, it's four ninety nine to order it on chill.com. But it just requires one button, and you can watch it when you want. And then you can do with it what you want. As far as I'm concerned, you're play it to anyone. You know what I mean? I, uh, and so that's a, a very exciting thing. We shot it a month or two ago, and it's coming out October 22nd. But if you go to chill.com, you can, excuse me, you can pre-order it. And there's t-shirts and all that jazz, too. But well, it's yeah. something that was really fun and uh, very different because, you know, most stand-up specials are either in a theater or in front of a brick wall. Uh-huh. And we wanted to do something different, and I think we did by having it uh, in an old time restaurant, which which definitely adds you know a great effect to it. You know, I mean, it's it's like you said, in front of a brick wall with some hot lights, and it's the same old, same old. This will definitely add new dimension to it. Uh, visually, I think it's really stunning. It, uh, you know, it looks like a I don't know, it looks like a, a gangster movie from the forties. You know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you have some James Cagney, you know, peeking in the background there. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was our pleasure having you on. You know, if anybody wants to check you out online or anything else, where can they visit? Gregproops.com, uh, and that, that's where you can download the podcast for free. Or you can go to my Tumblr page, uh, which is proopcast.com. Or to make it even more simple, you can go to Twitter, and I'm at Greg Proops, and I'm on Facebook at Greg Proops as well. And uh, I like that. And I play, like I say, I play live all the time. I play a couple hundred dates a year, so I'm, I'm in your neighborhood soon. Very cool. Well, it was our pleasure having you on, and uh, you know we'll be on the lookout for you, and of course enjoying the great casts, and uh, you know waiting to hear your voice pop up again or anything else wherever we see you again. Thank you so much, Sean, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Welcome to an extraordinary world filled with magic and wonder. Open your mind and let yourself go to a place where every day is Halloween and every night Jack Skellington I am the Pumpkin King! dreams of something different. What is this? It's someplace new. Jack, look out! What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This is there. What is this? Haven't you heard of peace on earth and goodwill toward men? <laughs> Touchstone Pictures presents the enchanting story of two very special dreamers and the holiday spirit that brought them together. From the imagination of Tim Burton comes The Nightmare Before Christmas. And what did Santa bring you, honey? Hey, this is J. Paul Zimmerman from Halloween Town. You're listening to Disney On Demand. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all 
a splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor Right through the door and all around the wall A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Hello, Grandma. Is it one I know? Oh, no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, my story is about a magical place where many different sorts of creatures live together in peace. Like Cleveland? I hear they have a nice school district. Well, actually, the place I'm speaking of is called Halloween Town. And the residents are a bit more uh, exotic. Monsters, goblins, ghosts and vampires, gnomes and skeletons. Do they have dibbics and banshees there, too? By the dozens. And, of course, a few very fine witches. I don't like witches. They're mean and scary. Oh, no, 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 sweetheart. I mean, they're just like everyone else. Some are kind, some are mean. That's the way they use their magic. You can't tell what's in a monster's heart just by looking at them. I mean, sometimes some of the slimiest, scrunchiest, ugliest little monsters turn out to be the nicest. I want to go there. Oh. Excuse me, but we have an impressionable young child here. I think we should make it clear that this place we're talking about is just pretend. Oh, yes, yes. Well, actually, uh, I, I have to confess that I didn't make it up. I read, I read about it in a book. <laughs> so, you see, maybe it is real. A book? What book? Oh. There, Halloween Town. Let me see. All right. Look, a ghost. Just like we were playing, Grandma. Hmm? Oh, look, and there's a werewolf and a vampire and a gnome. Dog man. Oh, Grandma, this book is so neat. It has, like, all the stuff I'm interested in. Great, the weirdo encyclopedia. Use, not man. <gasps> look, it's funny. Uh -huh.
is me. She doesn't look anything like you. She's way too cute. Oh, yeah, and this is from a guy who could win an ugly contest. <laughs> well, there is quite a resemblance. <laughs> well, perhaps Marnie has a secret life we don't know anything about. Well, if she is a witch, she's got the weird part down pat. It's just the magic powers she's missing. What about it, dear? Have you cast any spells or taken midnight flights through the sky? I wish. But the truth is, there's nothing special about me. Oh, no, no, dear, you're very special. You're a Cromwell. And since the dawn of time, the Cromwells have been Mother. the most powerful. It's getting late. You wouldn't want to miss your bus back again. All right, LVD heads, well, that's going to close the mansion door this week on another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. I want to extend a very special thank you to the one and only Greg Proops once again for stopping in and sharing all of his memories, a look back, and all of his latest projects. And remember, LVD heads, you can find him all over the web, including his very own podcast, The Proopcast. And I want to thank you once again, Greg, for stopping in and sharing all those memories with us and helping us kick off the second annual not-so-scary month-long Halloween celebration. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Aaron and Paige for stopping in once again with their signature segments. Without you, everyone would just have to listen to me ramble, so thank you for bringing that little bit of magic and extra special fun for all the D-heads out there. And for all of you D-heads, be sure to connect up with the D-team on our official website as well at dizradio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com. Now, next week, we are continuing on with our annual Not-So-Scary Halloween celebration. Halloween isn't over. We don't just do it one day. We just don't do it one show. We do it all month long here at Disney On Demand. And next week, we're going to delve right back into it once more. And before I tell you who our special guest is going to be, I'm going to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, archives, latest news blogs, feeds, and more, including our Lifetime of Disney Player, where you can listen to over 300-plus television shows, TV shows, specials, parades, and more right there on our homepage at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also find us all over the social media networks on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can also find us on Twitter, AOL Instant Messenger, Instagram, and more. Just search Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. And remember, you can always subscribe to our show on Stitcher Radio and also on iTunes. Just search Diz Radio right there and listen right there. You can also download our absolutely free, 100% free iPhone app right there in the App Store. So, all of you D-heads, we want to keep you connected. We want to have some fun. We want to keep it spooky and scary. And before I let you go, I'm going to let you know who's kicking in for show number 50 next week. Think the Haunted Mansion. Think those hitchhiking ghosts. A pretty fun, crazy maid that wants to bake some cookies for your kids. We're going to have the one and only Dina Waters stopping in here next week from the Haunted Mansion movie. Dina's going to stop in, share some memories, and a look into Walt Disney's The Haunted Mansion movie. So get ready for that, D-Heads. So with that said, it is the end of our kickoff for our second annual Not-So-Scary Halloween celebration. So I'm going to let you go with a tune that's pretty much been reworked by a good friend of mine. You may know him as The Haunt Rocker. And he's going to give you his heavy metal rendition of Grim Grinning Ghosts. Until next week, all of you D-Heads, as I always say, 
Never neglect family for business. And remember, carve those jack-o'-lanterns and get those costumes ready.
Thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.